people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't leave empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello and welcome back. This is uh, Sri Chalapa again with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. Um, today, I have the honor of having Tyler Robertson on our podcast. He is the CEO of Diesel Laptops, and they are one of the fastest growing companies in the space uh, with over 200 employees and uh, grew it from a garage. So there's obviously a lot to unpack here. Uh, you know, we obviously focus a lot more on how do you lead people and grow teams and build such a successful organization? So Tyler, welcome to the show. I look forward to having this discussion. Hey, I'm, I'm excited too. And I, I can say I didn't plan for any of this over the last seven years growing the company. And I've, I've learned a lot, I think, of being a leader. So I'm excited to share some of our stories here. Awesome, awesome. So tell me a little, about, little bit about your, your uh, you know, journey on this and how do you uh, grow a team, grow a company from a garage and having to wear multiple hats what are some other things that you learned along the way? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't intend for any of this. Um, I, I was really kind of forced to quit my job or, or quit my side business. And I picked this job and it was me and my dining room table. And, you know, like you said, we scaled it up to over 200 employees. We do a little north of 70 million in revenue. Um, and I, I, I think we've learned a lot. Like the first couple of hires are pretty easy. You hire people you know. So a lot of those mm -hmm. are people I used to work with and I, I knew what I was getting. And I think as we went along there, I can tell you, I was in the beginning years, especially, I gave zero focus to human resources and who to hire. And it was really, I'm going to fire, I'm going to hire the first person, the heartbeat to walk through this door, just so I can go back to doing and selling and marketing. And that strategy really backfired on us. And in, in hindsight, a lot of bad things happened, right, um, right. but it, 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 it's, it's, it's really tough scaling a company, having strategy getting the right people, getting them to buy in the vision and getting them to do all these things that need to happen. And we're a bootstrap company. So it's not like we were sitting here with like millions of dollars in a bank account to throw away and burn and do things. We had to stay profitable and do them all at the same time. So it, it's, it's really difficult. And I, I think when I look back on it, there was all kinds of different plateaus and stages we can talk about that we got into. Um, but it, it, it's, it's definitely a thing you have to learn and be focused on as you're growing your company if you want to be successful and keep growing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, before we get too far, uh, can you uh, explain a little bit about what does your company do, who your customers are, yeah. what is your product that is, yeah. makes it special? Yeah. yeah, so we're in the B2B business, first of all, and we're in the business of helping people that fix diesel-powered equipment be more efficient. And people are always like, oh, diesel-powered, what is that? Well, there's really three classes. There's the commercial trucks, and if I think we learned anything during COVID, commercial trucks are a really important part of our ecosystem, right. uh, supply chain. Uh, the, the bigger market um, than that is the Ford Chevy Dodge stuff that's out there. Those are all diesel powered. We kind of stay away from those because they're more consumer. They're not as much commercial. But the biggest market that exists is really the off-highway diesel industry. 
So if anyone can think of anything that they, they eat, they probably came from a field somewhere where a John Deere tractor was doing some work. Office buildings have generators on them. Diesel powered cranes are building buildings. Backhoes and excavators are moving dirt. It, it's all diesel powered equipment is all around us that people don't see. And it all got really complicated really quick with emissions and new technology, new computers. And we stepped in and said, man, we can make software. We can provide live diesel techs over the phone. We can make repair information. We can train people. So we go to these companies and say, hey, we're here to make you more efficient at your job so you can make more money or save time. Okay. So it's not just about laptops. It's a full service industry here at this point. It, it, it is. And it started with laptops. Like everything else, I think you have an idea. You start with something and then you find doors of opportunity. And we just kept expanding out beyond just providing the tool to the customer. So talk to me a little bit about your... Uh, as you've grown this, and how many years has it been since you started the company? It, it was seven years ago from my garage to today. That's awesome. So as of seven years, you know, what are some other leadership um, lessons, would you say, are the key takeaways in as you've hired people, mentored people, grown them into obviously roles that they probably were not even prepared for? Um, so what are the, some of the key takeaways and some of the style that you would want yeah, to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you some of the things I learned. So... You know, we were growing fast and I'm hiring people I know and they're doing a thing. And all of a sudden they have employees working underneath them and they've never been managers before and they didn't right. know how to deal with things. And I was given, no, I'm, I'm just busy selling and marketing and doing the things I got to do. I don't, I didn't have time to manage all these people. So we got to a point in our company, probably like in year three or four, where marketing and sales will only take you so far. And once you hit a plateau, every company does this, they hit a plateau. And they're not sure why, is it the competitors, is it our customer, like what's going on? And really what it came down to was we had leaders in roles and we had no clear direction of the company. And we had to really rally the troops and get everyone to understand why we do the things that we do here at Diesel Laptops. And, and through that process, one of the things we said was, man, we have so many managers. I mean, they were, someone was a diesel technician two years ago. Now they have 20 employees. Those are, those are two totally different skill sets. Mm -hmm. How do we expect that person to be successful if we give them no tools and no training on how to be a great leader, how to be a manager, how to do these things? So we brought in a consulting company and they came in and we said, look, we need to give everyone leadership training. And we, we you know, went through the company and pulled those people in and did a bunch of on-site and off-site things over, over the course of a, really a year and a half, almost two years. And what we found out in that was a couple of things. Some, some people were really able to grow and learn and change and they, they started to get the vision that we were putting forth to them. And they were fine. We had two other classes of people, though. We had some people that wanted to be a manager, but they were not understanding or grasping the concepts we were trying to teach them on what it means to be a leader and inside our company. And unfortunately, we had to move them to other roles and say, sorry, mm -hmm. you're not getting this. You're not growing. Sometimes sometimes roles all grow people. And that, that's what happened in that case. Um, and then we had a we had uh, we had a couple tap out themselves. <laughs> they just said we don't we don't like this at all. Like I don't want to be a manager anymore. Let me go back to doing what I was doing. I was making good money. This is this is way more work than I thought it was. And I, I think a lot of people that think they want to be managers don't realize what that takes to be an actual leader and someone that's going to follow you inside the company. Yeah, and I think the hard the good ones are the ones who know they don't want to be managers, and you know that they're at least being self aware. It's the ones that think they're great managers when they're not and, and they refuse to admit or be aware of that and that those are the ones you got to watch out for so i'm sure you had a few of those 
yeah along the way and then how do you how do you handle those situations yeah we we did i mean i i can tell you a couple stories right so like we had i my first salesperson i hired like i was still figuring things out in my garage right first guy i hired and he figured out a great way a new way for us to sell the products we sell to customers and how to overcome sales objections and he scaled up a soft he scaled up a sales department that got me 20 to 20 million a year in revenue like in a heartbeat and um, you could tell he wasn't liking it. <laughs> like all of a sudden, he's not doing what he's good at. He's trying to manage a bunch of people, but he had been with me since the start, and he he didn't want to come to me and say, "I hate my job." Uh, and it really was me going to him when we started going through that process, being like, "Man, I I really don't think your future is being a manager here." And he said, "Thank God." He goes, "Tyler, I didn't want to tell you that, but thank you for telling me." He goes, "It's like a weight off my shoulder." I already have an idea on what to do and, and how to how to transition this to people to, to somewhere else. So so that was a good one. But you also had bad ones where you had I had people that were with me, they've been with me for a couple of years, like when we were just a handful of employees and they really, really wanted to be a manager and they really weren't getting it. They they didn't know how to lead people, they didn't know how to manage people. And what we ended up having to do there is just say, sorry, you can't do it. And and they were at first in in, in actually in all cases, we did this with a couple of employees. They were really, really mad. They were really hurt. You could tell they were upset, but they, all of them said, you know what? We're gonna stay with the company and take this other role. And I can, I can tell people today, in all cases, those employees have come back a year or two later and said, you know what? I was really mad when that happened, but I'm really glad I stuck it out because my life's way better now than that path I was heading on when I was in that role. So sometimes you have to help people and you know, I'm glad they, I'm glad they, Face adversity and came through it because I know a lot of people would just quit and go do something else and complain about it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, good point. So, um, Tyler, when you think about your leadership style, um, what, how would you describe your leadership style? Yeah, so I'm in, so I'm the founder of the company too, right? And I'm the CEO. So it, I, I'm in this weird position, and I, I've been really vocal in my industry on social media and videos and all these things saying basically, man, the industry sucks. We have all these problems. No one's been able to fix it. And I'm here to help solve this problem. Let's, let's work together and find these solutions. So I get asked to speak at a lot of trade shows. I have my own podcast show. I write blogs. Like I, I, people look at me as someone kind of influential in our space. And I think it makes it tough for the employees a lot of times to, to deal with that because now you just don't have a CEO and the owner. You got a guy out there who the industry is kind of rallying behind. So personally, I run into problems on my side that I think other people don't. And one of the big ones is I have a lot of, I'm, I'm definitely an entrepreneur that has crazy ideas and, and things I want to do. And it, I don't get a lot of people that tell me no anymore. And that's a right. problem because sometimes they're not good ideas and somebody should say no. And that's one of the things I really try to tell all the people that report to me is like, look, I, I don't need a bunch of yes men sitting here. You're all sitting here because you're really smart people that are really great at your jobs. And you have a tremendous amount of knowledge. And if I have a dumb idea, I need you to tell me. Like, I don't, I don't need you to tell me it's great and just nod your head, but I, I need that pushback. And we, we try to instill that across all of our employees. Like, hey, bring ideas. We always wanna know what's going on. If you think they're dumb, they're dumb. If they're great, let us know. And it, it's, it's hard to get, 200 people all rowing the boat in the same direction inside your organization. And it's a thing we constantly work on here, making sure people understand the vision, understand where we're going, and more importantly, why we're doing the things we do. So in the last year and a half, like basically every presentation, 
every update we give, it's always like, the reason we're doing this is because blah, blah, blah. And here's how we're going to go do it. And I think getting people to understand why we do things goes a long way to getting them to follow you and believe in you that, hey, these are things that can happen. And especially when you start getting wins on those things in the marketplace, people are like, yeah, that, that was a great idea. Let's keep doing that. Let's keep thinking about more things to go do in those regards. So some of the, um, you know, people have really, leaders have certain things they do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that helps them stay structured and be successful. What are some of those two or three things that you do that you believe every manager or every leader should do so that they are successful and their teams are successful? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. One, so, you know, number one, it's actually having a plan, right? So, you know, there's all those sayings like uh, a goal without a plan is just a wish. We, we talk about that a lot over here. Like, hey, we, we need to spend most of our time planning because if we do that, it means we're gonna go execute. And that goes not into just the strategy the company's doing, but plan your day. Make sure when you wake up, you know what you're doing that day. I can tell people before I roll into the office here, I know exactly what I'm doing that day. I got time blocked off for things. I'm doing the best to get through things quickly as possibly as I, as I can. But I also know I need to have a work-life balance. So I'm, I just turned 44. I got an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old. I know I personally can't just spend 80 hours a week at my job and expect to be successful without, without the other piece of my life. Um, so I, I, leave every, I leave work every day at four o'clock. And I'm able to do that because I start early and I structure my day and I stay on task and get things done. So it's, it's a lot of things I think in, in, you know, that's, I guess, two of the examples. And so as you're looking to hire people, and I'm assuming you're still hiring and growing uh, your organization, what are some of the key attributes that you look for other than the hard skills of being able to, you know, fix these generators and things like that? Yeah. So one of the things we do is a cultural interview with every new employee. So employees go through a process and really the last one before the offer is the cultural interview. And it's a lot of hypothetical situations, right? Uh, you know, name a time when you were right and everybody else was wrong, right? And how did you deal with it? So it's questions like that where we try to pull out of the prospective employee how they think and, and where they're going to be at. Do they have a big ego? Do they have a small ego? Are they going to play well with others? Are they not? So I think, I think that's one of them. The other one I can say is we've hired a lot of people that I think were at the time not qualified for the role they were in, but we gave them opportunity and they've done amazing things for us. So for example, um, our director of operations, he knows everything going around in this company. Um, he's 26. He's been with me since day one. He, he was, before he came to here, he was, he was building, he was making pizzas and subs and I needed someone to work in my warehouse, just in my garage to help me. Right. That, that's how he got started. But because he had opportunity, the willingness to learn, the capability to learn, all those, all those attributes you look for in people is really what we looked for. And I, I can tell you this too. I sit down with every new employee that comes to diesel laptops. They come sit in my office or we do a zoom with them if they're remote. And you, it, it's funny, I, I can sit here, most times you can tell the ones that have ambition. They come in, mm -hmm. they're excited, they're asking questions. Hey, what, you say, hey, what's your, where do you want to be in 10 years? Like they got a plan, they, they, they know what they want to do. Um, and those are the people that we want to come in and be with our company, hopefully for a long time. I hope we can retain them for a long time. So I always tell Riley, he's the 26 year old I was mentioning. And I hope I can afford you here in a couple of years because you, you probably can go make a lot more money doing your own thing or, or figuring something out here. But uh, it, you want to you make sure you get the right employees that have the right attitudes and 
and work hard and understand the vision and buy into what the company's doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what is your uh, hopes and aspirations for the future with your company? I know you don't have any investors. You haven't really, you turned down an offer for a nice chunk of change. Um, where, do you, where do you think you're uh, planning to go next? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the part I'm trying to figure out, right? So, like I said earlier, I'm I'm still fairly young, I consider, and I got I got young kids. Um, where do I where do I position the company, right? Do I am I going to hold in this thing for the next twenty or thirty years, um, or do I start to bring in some other people? And I think honestly, when I look at the picture, I look at it and say, man, I want diesel laptops to be around for a really, really, really long time, well, well past when I when I leave this earth. And I think the best way to do that is bring in other people with other ownership, but find the right strategic partners to bring in to the, to the entire ecosystem. So I, I think that's the path we're heading down is let's go, let's go find the right partners. Let's put the right things in place. Um, so there's been a lot of talk here about, you know, life insurance policies and executive comp plans and, and how do all these things fold in together. But I think to me, that's the direction I need to go is Let's go find some other people to have some other ownership and diesel laptops, but let's get the right mindset people and do it in a way that we can still fulfill the vision that we want to fulfill. All right. The last question. So what, um, as a startup founder uh, who's starting off his, his or her company, what are some of the key piece of advice would you give? Or maybe, you know, some to, you, to your younger self for that matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I can tell people, like the number one was a couple of big reasons that allowed me to do what I did. Number one, when I quit my job to do this, I literally had no debt. My house was like almost paid off, pretty much paid off. Uh, we had no debt, no credit cards, no student loans, no car payments. Like that created so much flexibility and runway for us to grow the company and was so much less stress than someone that's coming in when, when things are tight. So that was number one. Number two, my wife has probably been my biggest supporter and fan of this whole thing. Like I didn't, when I was told I had to quit my job, I was going to sell my side business and keep working for somebody. She was the one that convinced me to quit working for somebody and, and do the side business full time. So you got to have that support. And number three, just don't take risks you can't afford to lose. Like we, we take risks over here all the time, but I can afford to go take a million dollar hit on something if it doesn't work out. You got to know where your, where your threshold is. You're don't put yourself in a situation where you lose everything completely because of one bad choice. Right, right. So yeah, the risk cannot have a fatal outcome, essentially, right? But you also need to think about, and I always say this, you know, think about the worst case scenario, how, what is the worst that can happen and can you handle it? If yes, then take the chance. You know? yeah. Assuming the payoff is also quite, quite there. But if it's not, you really need to step back. Um, I, but it can go both ways, right? Some people are too afraid to take any risk because even a small failure to them is they think it's fatal, but it's not. Oh, okay. We, we fail all the time over here. That's the best, right. that's the best way to learn, right? Is like, Hey, that didn't work. Let's go do something else. And I can tell the audience there's things that have failed, which led us to even better ideas and better products. And it's us failing. is probably the best thing that happened to us in a lot of cases. And you just got to yeah. learn from those lessons. Well, thank you, Tyler. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I wish you very, you know, a lot of success in the future. Obviously, you're doing great things. You know, building a bootstrap business, it's not easy. I've been there, but you know, still doing it for the most part. Uh, now, now, now that we have investors, not the same, same anymore. But uh, I wish you a lot of success. So, where can they learn more about you and your and your company? 
So I love LinkedIn. I've been posting on there almost since day one about our journey. So I still post on there quite frequently. So Tyler Robertson on LinkedIn is a great place. Otherwise, if you want to learn more about our company, diesellaptops.com. All right. Thanks a lot, Tyler. It's been a pleasure. Until next time. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.